Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 11 of the 2023 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. Last podcast, we talked about week number four heading into October. I know we're already three weeks into the month of October. We've got weeks five and six of the college football season that we need to catch up on. I've gotten through all the game film for those two weeks, have a lot to cover. We're going to go ahead and jump right into things. Then, obviously, we're going to have to talk about the third weekend in October in Knoxville. Next podcast, we'll take a look at why Hendon Hooker is rising up draft boards. I don't care about the age. I don't care about the fact that he's 24-plus years of age. This is a guy who, look, the way that quarterbacks are playing well into their 30s and look at Tom Brady into his 40s, the quarterback position, if you could stay healthy, you know that might not be a bad look for a team in round number one. Hendon Hooker is really making himself a lot of money. Jalen Hyatt already making a name for himself in next year's draft. Yes, he's only a sophomore, so he'll be eligible in next draft. But, but I'll tell you what, when you look at... October 1st, that weekend, obviously you had TCU uh, putting a hurting on Oklahoma. That's when Dylan Gabriel went down to the injury. And Oklahoma, look, they they just didn't have any option at that quarterback position once Gabriel did go down. Uh, You know, Davis Bevel just didn't really have anything firing. But I'll tell you what, TCU showed a lot of grit, uh, especially at that quarterback position. Max Duggan had a big run against the Sooners, also threw for over 300 yards. This was a game, too, where I was really asking for Quentin Johnson. Wanted to see more out of him. Did have the four catches. Uses that big body to his advantage. We know what he did in the win over Oklahoma State. We'll talk about that uh, in more detail uh, as I get through all the games for, for week number seven. But you know, with TCU, what they were able to do there, they're, they're a legitimate uh, undefeated team. And you know, it all starts, again, with that quarterback position of Max Duggan guy just continues to, to make plays, and he wasn't even a starter for the Horn Frogs to start the season. He comes in and, and really, it leaves you wondering why this guy wasn't the starter all along. The Blake Corum there at Michigan, they take on Iowa, that vaunted Iowa defense. The offense really sputters, can't get a whole lot going. Uh, they still only won you know, Michigan 27-14 there in Kinnick. Uh, but Blake Corum, again, 29 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. This dude is he's not the biggest dude in terms of height, 5'8", 5'9", but the dude is a freaking bowling ball. He's just a, a just tightly wound ball of muscle, 215 pounds, so sudden with those lateral cuts, and then the speed, the breakaway speed. You know, when you talk about guys that have that, that burst, the, the ability to make plays on their own, on the outside, on the perimeter, you've got Jameer Gibbs. Then there's, there's B. John Robinson. There's a debate whether or not those guys are going to go number one in terms of that running back spot. I think both guys go round one. Blake Corum is in that conversation to be that number three running back. Uh, you know, He and Sean Tucker, I think, are going to ha- really be battling that out. Um, but when you also look at Michigan, that offensive line, Ryan Hayes at left tackle, showing that he can play the tackle position. I wasn't sure if he, he was going to have to kick inside to guard. He actually absolutely held up there against Iowa. Um, you know, Zach Zinter there at guard, 
proving to be one of the better guards in the country as well. Not a lot of people are talking about him at the guard spot, but that right guard, Zach Zinter, keep an eye out for him, a guy that loves to climb to the second level, uh, very physical at the point of attack as well. Uh, you know, defensively for Iowa, I mean, Jack Campbell had 11 tackles in that game. This is a dude that plays sideline to sideline. He can drop a, a little bit as well. Uh, you know, so he's he's another guy that people are talking about. I, I think you're firmly in that uh, conversation there on day number two, but definitely a guy that uh, we need to be talking about a little bit more. Look, uh, you know, Will Levis against Ole Miss, 22-19 final, 18-24, 220 yards and a couple of touchdowns. You know, we know Will Levis is tough. Dude dislocates his finger. It's, it's pointing in the wrong direction. Gets it popped back in place. This guy, he's tough. He's physical. Teams are looking for the next Josh Allen, and you may have found it in Will Levis. This is a big, strong-arm kick. Make all the throws. Very tough within the pocket. You know, and, and you look at him, he's still developing some of that rapport with his, with his receiving core. You know, the, you've got the, the freshman, Dane Key. You've got Tavion Robinson. Trying to find a guy that really can be his his number one uh, go-to target now that Wondell Robinson isn't there any longer. And you're really starting to see Will Levis pick things up. What happens when Will Levis goes down to injury? They lose that turf toe. They lose to South Carolina. They wind up getting things back, getting him back. They end up beating Mississippi State. Chris Rodriguez, that was his first game back. Obviously, you've got to answer to the off-field questions. But this was a guy, look, you know, over 100 yards on the ground, uh, three receptions, 40 yards, showing the, the burst. It looked like he never left. You know, the, the burst, the, the physicality, you have to be talking about Chris Rodriguez. Is he a day two pick? Probably not, especially with all the off-field issues that he has going on. Fourth, fifth round range, possibly even the sixth, depending on how the, the off-field issues turn out. He's definitely a guy that has to be in that, you know, that conversation. Zach Evans struggled there a little bit against Kentucky. Uh, you know, nine, nine carries for 24 yards. Did get a touchdown out of it. But look, don't just look at the stats. Watch the game film. This is a guy, he's physical at the point of attack. You love the burst. A guy that can take the top off of a defense as well. I'm still a big fan of Zach Evans. A guy that I think will be firmly planted there in day two. Uh, Alabama, you know, they, they go into Fayetteville against Arkansas. Bryce Young, you know, we know that he, he had the, the shoulder injury there, getting chased out of the pocket by Drew Sanders, taking on his former team as he's going to the ground, trying to throw the football and lands on that shoulder awkwardly. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that you have to worry about with Bryce Young in that frame. Where is he carrying that weight? Can he get to 205? But, you know, he, he's not the biggest dude at all. But what you love about him is is the confidence. He plays so much, so much uh, you know, the maturity beyond his years. Uh, you know, he stays at one level the entire time. That heartbeat never, you know, it never fails him. He's always running at one speed, and he's so, so calm. You love the way he's able to manipulate the pocket. Uh, you know, this is a kid that, you know, when you talk about top five picks, if he were about three or four inches taller, we wouldn't be talking about, well, is Bryce Young the number one overall quarterback? Look. At the end of the day, when you look at it, he has more juice in that arm than C.J. Stroud. I know that I declared C.J. Stroud as the number one quarterback in the last podcast, but the more I watch C.J. Stroud, the more I, I see a really nice deep ball, but you just don't see the arm strength. And when I, what I mean about that, you say, well, he can throw the ball a mile, you know, and, but you watch the short to intermediate routes. Uh, you know, those throws, there isn't a ton behind those throws. You know, so, you know, it's not getting there in a hurry. 
So that's going to allow defensive backs, linebackers to, to get in there and potentially make plays on the football. Bryce Young, that arm strength is up another level. Not to the degree of, of a, a Will Levis or a Hendon Hooker, but it's getting there. And that's one of the things that, you know, with his decision-making and the, the pinpoint accuracy with him, I, you put Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud, and honestly, I may even put Will Levis and Hendon Hooker ahead of C.J. Stroud because of that, that lack of arm strength that really makes you worry a little bit uh, at, at the next level. Um, you know, this was a game as well. Will Anderson, I know he was frustrated. Uh, you know, seven tackles, just a half sack, one and a half tackles for loss trying to get to the quarterback, uh, but you know, obviously relentless, uh, coming off the edge. You know, they're asking him to do a lot, to put a lot of pressure on number 31, and uh, he's still rising to the occasion. This is a guy that's still making a lot of plays in the backfield, uh, so you, you really want to see Will Andrews. Is he the number one overall pick? Depending on who gets in there, um, you know, there, there's a great shot that you could see Will, Will Anderson be the number one overall pick. He'll probably end up falling to number three, uh, potentially number two. It, it just It's too early to tell who's going to be sitting in there. Um, if the team doesn't have a quarterback, you know that Bryce Young um, is going to be in that conversation with C.J. Stroud, uh, potentially even Hendon Hooker with the way that he's been performing. You saw what happened with Zach Wilson and his meteoric rise to the number two overall pick. So anything can happen, and we're still a long ways away there. But but the guy who had that had the day against Arkansas was Jameer Gibbs. Look, 18 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs just plays at a different speed than anybody else, and that's what you just you love about Jameer Gibbs is you get him out on the perimeter and you allow him to make his plays. You allow him to make those cuts, and when he makes the cuts, he's at full speed down the football field. That's what's so impressive about it. He's not losing any speed when he's making those cuts. The vision, the ability to see the cut bat lanes between the tackles. This is a guy, he's not going to dance around. He's very decisive, and he makes the right read. You know, Some guys will try to bounce it and try to get to the outside, get to the perimeter all the time. Not Jameer Gibbs. This is a guy, look, he's a home run hitter, but he's very smart about it. He's going to find that hole, hit the cutback lane, and then take off. And once he's able to get to the second level, then you're going to see those afterburners. This is a dude, I think they clocked him. ESPN was known, I think they clocked him at like 22.9 miles an hour, something ridiculous. You know, Gibbs, number one running back. I've changed my tune. You'll probably hear me change it a couple more times. But I got him a little bit uh, higher than the Bijan Robinson. But look, both of those guys, I think, are going to be first-round picks when it's all said and done. Drew Sanders has definitely made, him, made himself a lot of money. Look, 12 tackles there against Alabama in a sack. Um, it was really pressuring Bryce Young. Uh, quite a bit. This is a guy, he's instinctive. That You love the burst coming off the football. You know, he plays inside, outside. I think this guy could be an edge rusher coming off the edge and a guy that can make a lot of pa uh, a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. You have to love that. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State, hey, you know what? They, they lost by a fraction of an inch against Baylor in the Big 12 championship. They get revenge in Waco, 36-25, taking down Baylor. Spencer Sanders looks like a much different quarterback for uh, the Cowboys. That's one of the things that you have to say. But you love the receiving core. You know, Brayton Johnson, uh, you know, he's battled injuries there. But a guy that you definitely want to keep an eye out for. Uh, has really good size, good hands there as well. Brock Martin, another guy. You know, he and, and, uh, and Trace Ford, two ends that have been battling injuries throughout their career. But guys that... They're instinctive. They can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. You absolutely love seeing that. Siaki Ika, 
at nose tackle. The reason why I'm not as high on him, especially the, you know, when you look at him and Jordan Davis, he doesn't make that his presence felt um, against both the run and the pass. He, he's, he's, you'll, you'll see the burst. You'll see him make some plays, but it's not consistent. You don't see him applying that consistent pressure. He's one of those guys to where when his motor is running, he's very difficult to block because of the, the agility for a guy his size and the power. I just don't see him rising to the level of a first-rounder at this point. Kansas and Iowa State, ultimately Kansas had to rely on its defense in this game. Uh, you know, Jalen Daniels, we know what's happened. You know, his shoulder injury. At first, we thought he was out for the year uh, you know, with, a, with a post uh, on Twitter. And then right after that, Jalen Daniels follows up saying, that's, that's news to me. And, and Lance Leipold even doubled down, showing him in his office as well. Uh, you know, Really, it sounds like he's day-to-day -day at this point. Didn't have the best game, 7 of 14 for 93 yards. Did have eight carries uh, on the day for just nine yards as well. And a touchdown, though. Uh, but look, Jalen Daniels is a special, special athlete. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a project. There's a lot of tools though to work with. Uh, so obviously he'll be coming back to uh, to Lawrence for one more season. But really in that game, I was most interested about you know watching what Iowa State had, especially in terms of, of Xavier Hutchinson on the offensive side of the ball and Will McDonald on on the the defensive side. You know, Xavier Hutchinson. A guy that people aren't really talking about. He's 6'2", 208, uses that big body to shield the ball from defenders. Uh, second most receptions in Cyclone history to Alan Lazard, who has 241. Um, wide receiver screen on third and 20. It was physical to continue to work down the field, get through the defensive backs on a 13-yard gain. Ultimately, with 13 receptions for 101 yards. Uh, he's physical, has decent speed, good, not great. Love the body control as well, that physical presence. He's a guy that I, I think... Um, it'll be a nice fourth round pick for a team and a guy that I think can make some noise at the next level. Will McDonald didn't really get home a ton there against Kansas, had just two tackles and a tackle for loss. But this is a guy that um, knew he wasn't getting to the quarterback, knew he wasn't going to get to Daniels, worked back over the top, got his hand in the passing lane to knock a pass down. Um, you know, as a stand up edge rusher, you see the handwork, the slap and rip to beat the, the right tackle. Bends really well, ends up getting a holding call against Bryce Cable, do the, the, the right tackle there for the Jayhawks. Ultimately, Kansas picks up that win 14 to 11. But again, uh, Will McDonald's the guy that we have to be talking about there as one of those edge rushers, late day two, early day three consideration. Um, you know, LSU, really a, a team, you know, it's a head scratcher for us. You know, they, they somehow found a way to beat Auburn. Um, you know, 21-17. This was the game that everyone was expecting Brian Harson to win. Um, you because know, look, LSU isn't getting the quarterback play that they really need out of Jaden Daniels. You know, they're they're kind of you know, Keisha uh, Booty is is getting frustrated there at that receiver spot. I can understand why Jaden Daniels every time he tries to get the ball to Booty, uh, the ball is is an errant throw. Booty is needing to work work his butt off just to to uh, to be able to try to haul in one of those passes, but. LSU defensively, again, B.J. Ojulari, four tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble in that game. Uh, Ojulari is one of my favorite defenders in all of college football right now because of the effort, nonstop effort coming from number 18 there for uh, for LSU. And look, as a stand-up edge rusher, bending well off the edge, and then the hands. That's one of the things that, that you really see from him. Um, you know, going up against that right tackle, Pulls him over his toes, gets a quick rip to ultimately clear him, flattens out, tracks down the quarterback, Robbie Ashford, 
chase him all the way down to the numbers for a sack to uh, set up a fourth down and a punt. Um, then the hands into the chest of the left tackle, able to bend, dip that inside shoulder, shows off really good ankle flexion, gets to the corner in a hurry, flips those hips to flatten out. Um, a guy that just the motor never stops running. Ojulari, 6'3", 250, LSU an up and down season. But Ojulari has been one of the standouts definitely on either side of the football for that team. Uh, you know, you flip to the other side and you got Derek Hall. Three tackles, a sack, a couple of, of tackles for loss as well. You know, and, and Hall, I think, is having a, a solid year there for Auburn. Hasn't been consistent, but again, another guy who uses his hands very well, strikes the outside shoulder of that left tackle with his left hand, drives him towards the quarterback in the pocket, uses those hands to come off the block, ultimately unable to, to bring the quarterback down, but directing him right into Colby Wooden to ultimately make a play on the quarterback. Um, you know, uses those hands again, bull rush, plays with good leverage, driving guys. Then he's able to split the double team, that you know, left guard trying to get over to help Will Campbell, the left tackle, ultimately able to get in on a sack with Marcus Bragg, uh, the other defensive. And needs to watch that pad level, though. Uh, pad level will get a little bit higher than his hands as well. Gets it into the face mats of the offensive tackle a little bit. Needs to watch that. Uh, really good against the, the run in pursuit on the backside. Uh, I think Hall's really the standout there defensively. He and, and Colby Wood, you know, 6'5", 284, a guy that I think can end up being a, a five technique at the next level. Uh, you know, a guy that can play inside and out. The, you know, the scheme versatility is absolutely there for him. Um, that's something that stood out to me there. Uh, constant pressure there against LSU. Clemson taking on NC State. We know Devin Leary now out for the year with that torn pectoral muscle. Uh, you know, the, the concern now is, is what's going to happen with him in terms of his draft stock. Uh, you know, that, that's really the biggest concern. This is a guy who could, you know, we could potentially see him come back for one more year. Uh, look, you know, 60 career touchdown passes there for for, uh, for Leary, four, tied for fourth school history. The, the, you know, the, the arm strength, people debate whether or not he I think he has enough arm strength you know making some of those throws uh, down the field you gotta love the eye discipline from him uh, in that game holding the safety to the left then he airs out a go route to Devin Carter drops it in over his shoulder over two defensive backs as well for a 32 yard gain uh, you know really a savvy quarterback um, fits balls into the tight windows Jalen Phillips was bearing down on 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 Thayer Thomas was able to fit it into a real tight window coming across the field. Phillips was sitting in that zone, um, tried to get to his left to make the play, but the ball fit just right in there. Um, you know, the anticipation is absolutely there. This is the guy that's going to throw his receivers open, um, knows when to put the ball on the line, knows when to throw that, that, that touch pass, um, able to change that velocity. Uh, to hit his receivers. It's unfortunate Devin Leary is going to be be out for the rest of the season. Um, that really impacts uh, what, what Dave Dorn wants to do there um, with uh, the, the Wolfpack. Uh, um, really unfortunate circumstances there because uh, I thought he was having a solid season uh, to that point. Um, you know, Peyton Miller, he, he looks like an NFL linebacker, doesn't he? 6'4", 240 pounds, had another 10-tackle game, uh, tackle for loss in that game as well. Loops around on a stunt. Get skinny through the gap, explodes to the quarterback, hits DJ Uyangalale as he was trying to throw the football. And speaking of DJ, look, you know, you can say what you want about about DJ, but this is a guy who's just continuing to develop, continuing to get better. You know, he sees the field, uh, you know, playing 30 pounds lighter. You see the mobility in the pocket, uh, the big arm, 
being able to throw his receivers open, making much better decisions. The ball placement is there. I just think looking at this year's draft class, if I'm DJU, I decided to come back to Clemson for one more year and uh, see if I could be that number one quarterback in next year's draft class. Now, I was getting on Miles Murphy, wanted to see more out of him, have four tackles and one and a half sacks in this game, and boy, did he absolutely deliver. Uh, you know, Miles Murphy absolutely looks the part. You know, he's the guy getting off the bus you want to have leading the way. 6'5", 275 pounds. You see the burst. You see the hands. Slap the inside hand off. Bending around the corner, getting to the quarterback. You'll see a rip underneath the left tackle. Drove him right back into the quarterback, flushing Leary from the pocket. Power in his hands to strike that left tackle. Poor Anthony Belton just kept getting these, these hands. Dropped him to the ground, turned the corner, ended up drilling Devin Leary um, as he was throwing the explosive get off, using that right hand to, slip, uh, to slap, then rip through with his left hand. Very quick hips, clearing the left tackle, turned in the corner, flattens out. Devin Leary in a hurry, drops him for the sack on a third and 18 play, and again with the hands, striking with that, that right shoulder off the ball, then a rip move under the left tackle, off a speed rush, muscles his way around to the quarterback with Tyler Davis, who had beaten the center off the ball for a sack. Miles Murphy gaining momentum at the right time, hitting ACC play, really starting to hit his stride. Um, you know, Brian Brissy, you know, has had the uh, you know the issues, non-football medical issues. I believe it was a kidney uh, infection, if, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, when they get him back to go along with Tyler Davis, who, who can be a menace with that quickness coming off the ball up the middle. This is going to be a dangerous team there in ACC play. I can't wait to watch Clemson take on Syracuse and really see what uh, Dino Baber's crew is, is really made of. Syracuse, they've got some ballers there on the back end. They'll give DJ DJU some problems, but uh, it's that defense. I want to see what they can do against Sean Tucker. USC taking on Arizona State. Look, 42-25 win, um, and it was all about... Uh, again, Tuli Tuipilotu on the defensive side of the football. Three tackles, a sack, one and a half tackles for loss. I will be singing this dude's praises. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, all season long. 6'4", 290 pounds. We might as well talk about what he did against Washington State while we're at it. Um, you know, that was a game where really the, the, the Cougs could not block the guy. He seemed to be living in, in that backfield, and I'm sure that uh, Cam Ward was ultimately seeing 49 in his nightmares uh, because uh, Pelotu, five tackles, three sacks, four tackles for loss, and a quarterback hurry. What you see out of him is constant effort. You see the burst off the ball. You see his hands. He's swiping at, at the, the tackle, dipping the shoulder. You know, this is a guy, look, again, 6'4", 290 pounds. He can dip that shoulder. Second sack on the same drive there against Washington State. Pushes his man into the backfield. Uses the hands to get off the block. Gets to the quarterback's legs again to drop him. Untouched backside versus the run. Showed the speed to chase down the running back. Drop him behind the line as well. When I look at Tuli Tui Pelotu, he reminds me of another uh, former Pac-12 pass rusher, and that's Cameron Jordan. You know, when you look at and you just study uh, the numbers, and I know you don't just look at the numbers, you look at the tape, but you know, Cam Jordan was the guy coming out of Cal. Uh, you know, 34 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, uh, 175 tackles in his career. Went with the, the Golden Bears there over his four seasons. Now, 
what, what, you know, what was his size? What was he playing at? He was about 6'4", about 6'4", 285 pounds. Was the first round pick, number 24 overall to the New Orleans Saints, right? So then when you compare him to Thule, and what Thule's been able to do thus far in his career there at USC, again, 6'4", and 285, 290 pounds, uh, 22 and a half tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, 92 tackles through three seasons. It, it looks eerily similar to what the production of, of what Cam Jordan's been able to do. This is a guy that hasn't been able to be blocked in Pac-12 play. Uh, and, and look, in, in those two games against ASU and Wazoo, eight tackles, four sacks, five and a half tackles for loss, a guy that just continues to make plays. And when I look at, at Cam Jordan sitting there, number 24 overall, I was saying that Thule was going to be an early second-round pick. Really, this is the point that I'm making. You also look at a guy like Cameron Hayward, right? Cam Cameron Hayward coming out of uh, Ohio State, not necessarily the same body type. He's a little bit taller than him, a little bit more length. Uh, but, again, you look at numbers. 163 tackles in his four seasons with the Buckeyes, 37 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks. Tuli Pelotu is on that same pace, is really the point that I'm making. When you look at a guy who's 6'4 and 290 pounds, who's able to get off the edge like he's able to, and then be able to split the double team when he lines up at defensive tackle, and the hand usage, the power, the speed to power, his ability to play both the run and the pass. Where was Cam Jordan taken? Number 24 overall. Where was Cam Hayward taken? Number 31 overall. Tuli Pelotu, I think, belongs in that range, anywhere between 24 and 31 when it's all said and done. So really a long-winded way of saying, I think Tuli Pelotu is going to be a first-round pick when it's all said and done uh, because he, he's that disruptive and a guy that is just so difficult to block. USC, Travis Dye is another guy, the unsung hero. You can talk about all the weapons. And look, Jordan Addison had another day there against Arizona State. Eight receptions for 105 yards. You see the explosiveness, the, the speed, the, the ability with his cuts to not really... I mean, he doesn't slow down. He doesn't slow down in his cuts, much like Jameer Gibbs. Um, and so when you're, you've got a guy that's out there on the edge that's able to plant and go and on, on a post and just run right by you, um, it, it makes it very difficult for any any corner to, to cover him. Um, did get banged up a little bit there in that Washington State game. Only had three catches. Um, but uh, eight catches for 105 yards there against Arizona State. Had over 100 yards against Utah. Well, again, we'll talk break that, that game down a little bit more. But you hope that Jordan Addison, the reigning Blitnikoff Award winner, is okay. Went down awkwardly with that knee. Uh, not really sure if that knee is going to hold up. Um, you know, that's really the, the, the concern right now. But Travis Dye, look, this guy does a little bit of everything. He can block for you. He can, he can run the football. Uh, you know, he can catch the football out of the backfield. Against Washington State, 28 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. You just you, you see the patience. You see the vision. You see a little bit of a burst through the hole. He's not a home run hitter, but he's going to get pick up uh, yards and bunches. You see the, the physicality. He plays so much bigger than his size. Um, excellent hands coming out of the backfield. A tremendous blocker as well. If you're looking for a guy that's, you know, he may not be a starter at the next level, but he's going to be a solid second or third running back on your roster. And he'll be there in the NFL for a long time. He's durable. He's reliable. Doesn't drop the football. Doesn't fumble. A, a guy that, look, 
he's he's the heartbeat of that offense for USC. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, number 26 there for the Trojans. Um, keep an eye out for him. Look, Eric Gentry, he's not eligible for this year's draft, but the dude's a freak. 6'6", 200 pounds, uh, playing middle linebacker, uh, flies around the sideline to sideline ability. He also injured himself, an ankle injury there against Utah. On that two-point conversion, Cam Rice, I said we weren't going to cover this yet, but man, had he been in the middle against Cam Rising on that two-point conversion, you wonder if 18 would have been there to stop him shy of the goal line. Um, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda there for the Trojans ultimately suffered their first defeat. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, that a little bit more later on, as I said. But uh, you know, Makai Blackman is a corner who's uh, getting a lot more experience there on the outside there in Pac-12 play. They want to really test him a ton. They're not really testing Sayer uh, 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 right on the, the opposite side. They're really going after Makai Blackman, and he's held up really well. He needs to watch being so grabby, so handsy, but especially when he gets over the top of a route, knows how to go up and attack the football in the air. Uh, you know, does a really good job getting that head around, locating the football. But even when he doesn't, he's going to attack that, that catch point. Uh, and that's one of the things that you really like to see from uh, a cornerback is even if he's beat or he doesn't get that head around in time, he's still going to he's still not out of it. He's still going to try to make a play on the football. And uh, Makai Blackman is a guy who I think has, has definitely had a solid year overall for the Trojans. Now, UTSA took on Middle Tennessee. Uh, Middle Tennessee, obviously, they, they can ride high for the rest of the season after upsetting Miami. Uh, but uh, you know, UTSA, the Roadrunners, they beat them by 15, 45-30. And if you haven't gotten to see UTSA play, they've got a couple of wideouts who are absolute studs. They're going to be playing at the next level. Zakari Franklin to Corian Clark. Zakari Franklin had five catches in that game for 98 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, and Corian Clark is just as big. Both of these guys... Uh, making plays down the football field. Uh, you, you love their ability to, uh, you know, to separate as route runners. They use their frame. You know, Zachary Franklin, a 6'1", 185 pounds against Middle Tennessee. And I think the play for him in that game was uh, he gets outside release up the seam, tracks the ball well, ball right over his shoulder in traffic. The corner's right on his back. Safety's coming over, being able to extend right out in front of him to, to haul in the pass. Uh, just excellent concentration. Um, what you love is is the ability to just, he continues to get open on slants. Um, you, you, you love uh, fourth and seven. There's a stutter and a head fake to the outside to get the corner leaning outside there, then crossing his face, uses his hands to clear, gets inside, makes that catch, extends away from the corner. Co corner was closing right as the ball arrives, but then leans the shoulder into the corner, Ends up getting nine yards right after the catch. And then with DeCorian Clark, a little bit bigger, 6'2", 210 pounds. Um, both these guys run those slant routes so well, using that big frame to shield the, the, the corner away from the football. But, you know, the physicality with, with DeCorian Clark is one of the things that I love. JT Clark, look, uh, you know, had a... Uh, ran a slant route, very physical, picks up 17 yards, ended up getting an extra 7-8 yards after the catch. Um, down the field on a go route, stops, corner continues up the field, able to elevate, safety wasn't able to get over in time, 41-yard gain there. You know, I'm looking at my notes, just runs a slant route, wins, runs slant route, wins for both of these guys. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, lined up in the slot. 
takes the route to the inside towards the hash, and at the stem, plants inside, corner jumps that direction, turns his hips, gets his head around on a deep out, makes the catch, turns down the sideline for a 25-yard gain, uh, you know, and, and Frank Harris, the quarterback, scores on a five-yard touchdown on the very next play. Again, two receivers, if you haven't gotten to see him play, tune in and watch the Roadrunners. They're a lot of fun to watch on offense. Those guys will be playing on Sunday. And another intriguing guy is Frank Harris. Look, you know, he had 414 yards in the game, two touchdowns, did have three picks. Some of that is decision-making. Some of it is ball placement, a little late with some of his throws. But uh, he's a dynamic playmaker. That's one of the things that you have to love about him. Uh, you know, you see how teams are getting very creative with, uh, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, some of the other quarterback prospects who end up becoming uh, really solid targets. And you look at Frank Harris, could he be a guy that could fit onto a roster, maybe be uh, sit on, on a practice squad for a time, you know, and you could run some packages. The guy, just get the ball in his hands. He's so dynamic in the open field as a runner. That's one of the things that you love. But then you watch him throw the football, and you know, he's making some of these throws, putting the ball right on his receiver when he needs to, being able to throw the back shoulder throw, take something off of a football too when he needs to, putting the ball in traffic before the safeties can come over, being able to make those plays, splitting defenses. Look, Frank Harris, is he a guy that, that's going to be drafted? Maybe not. But I look at him and I say, is there a place in the NFL for him? Could teams potentially run packages using a guy like Frank Harris? And I think it is possible. I think you know he's a guy that could potentially have a, a future at the at the next level in one of those hybrid type of roles. UCLA on September 30th, that Friday. Holy cow! We didn't even make it into October when we saw uh, the Bruins take down Washington 40 to 32. That was really the start of UCLA's momentum. They're still undefeated. Zach Charbonnet, 22 carries, 124 yards. Uh, a, a dude who you love the physicality, you know, that he brings to the table. You see the cutback ability. He's not a guy that's going to take the top off of a defense, but you love the vision, his ability down the field. He's going to set up defensive backs two, three, four yards down the down the field using those head fakes and, and head and shoulder fakes, and then boom, back to the other side. And uh, you know, I, I love Charbonnet. And then, look, the receiver, Jake Bobo, a big physical receiver. And, and look, an excellent route runner as well for a guy his size. In that game, six catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, the, the transfer from Duke, he's 6'5", 215. Um, and, and look, you know, he, he lined up in the slot, runs a dig route, um, speed cut at seven yards, flattens out, makes a contested catch at the hash then shrugs off the corner and gets down the field. So difficult to bring down after the catch as well. Um, the route running, look, he was setting guys up, uh, showing outside releases and crossing the face, being able to also plant to the to the inside and uh, you know, making the, the corner flip those hips. And then, boom, he's cutting back to the outside. Uh, you know, pretty, sh pretty fluid in terms of the, the, the hips for a guy his size. Um, look, Jake Bobo is a guy who I think has also made himself some money, a guy that could end up being an early day three guy, possibly even day two when you look at some of that route running ability. When you talk about guys who are so difficult to, you know, look, Kyle Phillips was difficult to cover because, not because of his speed. It was, he was quicker than fast, in my opinion, but the guy, you know, that's that former Bruin, it was the route running. 
And I look at Jake Bobo, I think that's what will set him apart there for the Bruins as well. And uh, look against Washington, Michael Penix Jr. This is a guy who I think um, trusts his arm a little bit too much, makes some, some difficult throws, um, and then ultimately thinks, all right, I can go back to the well. Goes back to it way too often. Um, look, had 345 yards, four touchdowns, but a couple of interceptions. They were costly. Um, he's one of those guys, I think he needs to come back, go to UW for another season. Um, but he, his arm strength is better than I think people really give him credit for. Um, definitely a guy, though, that uh, you know needs to come back to, wa uh, to Washington for one more season. But look, UCLA, absolutely for real. Stefan Blaylock on the back end had the pick. That ultimately clinched it for, for UCLA uh, on the back end. Um, red, just read Penix's eyes, just waiting on, on this out and up into the boundary, moved in that direction, then drove on the football, picked it off, returned it for 29 yards, 5'11", 193 pounds. Safety leads that, that's secondary. He's the guy to really watch out for uh, on, on the back end of that, that Bruin defense, that's for sure. Quickly, you saw Purdue take on Minnesota. Boilermakers win 20-10. to 10. That was at Huntington uh, Bank Stadium there in Minneapolis. And look, they've got two receivers that are definitely should be on everybody's radar. And Charlie Jones, uh, who's an exceptional athlete there on the outside, really a, a solid route runner as well. Uh, and then Payne Durham at tight end. He's shown that he's... He's not just a one-trick pony as a blocker. He's one of those guys who could be a bona fide threat down the field. Bryson Hopkins came from, from Purdue. I think Payne Durham has a chance to get drafted higher than Bryson Hopkins, who was a fourth-round pick, number 136 overall, to the Rams. I think there's a good chance that we see Payne Durham come off the board earlier than that. Oregon, 45-27. Uh, winners over Stanford in Autzen. Um, and when I look at Oregon, you know, Bo Nix is a much better quarterback, again, that people were, were giving him credit for, including myself. Uh, I, I think he just he looks like a much different quarterback. Um, now that he's gotten out of Auburn, I think there was a ton of pressure on that kid's shoulders. Uh, had six carries for 141 yards, two touchdowns, got to show off his, his speed a little bit. Got a little careless at times with the football, did throw a pick, but he was just 16 to 29. Um, some accuracy issues there at times. Brandon Dorless, though, is a guy that I want to talk about just a little bit there at Oregon. Um, look, he's got a running mate there, DJ Johnson. Uh, I believe Johnson had to sit out the first half due to a targeting penalty, if I'm not mistaken. But the two of them still combined for three sacks, two of them going to the aforementioned Brandon Dorless. Um, but what you see with him, takes that quick step to the inside to set up, set up the left tackle, Walter Rouse, who also steps inside to wall that off. Then he uses this quick arm over to beat him back to the outside, turns that corner hurry to track down Tanner McKee, who, look, he's this year's statue in the pocket. He's not going to escape. When you give Tanner McKee time in the pocket, he can eat you up. We saw what he could do against USC, especially with that long mesh. Uh, we also saw, you know, with Stanford, they struggled against Washington with that, that mesh concept. Washington was in the backfield like crazy, and uh, Oregon, similar situation. Uh, McKee was 19 to 33 for 166 yards, two touchdowns. But look, he's not mobile at all, so I, I don't know that he can succeed at the next level. Uh, you know, struggles at times even with the pocket manipulation, just because he's not very fleet of foot at all. When you get back to number three uh, for the Ducks, Brandon Dorless, 6'3", 284 pounds. He's looking to time that snap count and gets that jump, 
beat Walter Rouse off, off the, uh, the ball, looking to kick out. But whiffs on the block, uses that arm over to get downhill to the running back for a tackle for loss as well. Um, attacks the outside shoulder, uses two hands into that right shoulder, uses good leverage, slap, then rip, clears, gets to the quarterback as well. You know, Brandon Dorless is a guy that's played both end and defensive tackle for Oregon. He's only a junior, so he could come back to Eugene for one more season. But he's definitely a guy that needs to, you know, needs to be mentioned more often in some of these conversations because he's a guy that I think plays a lot better than people really give him credit for. Tennessee LSU. Tennessee 40-13 final, and it was the Hennon Hooker show yet again. I mean, 230 yards passing, two touchdowns on the day, no picks. Um, but what you love about Hennon Hooker, again, is, is probably the best deep ball of anybody uh, in, in college football. Uh, the, the arc, the trajectory, I mean, what else do you want to really say about it? Um, the ball placement, allowing, you know, he allowed Jalen Hyatt to get vertical down the sideline, run under the football for a 45-yard uh, touchdown. You see the pocket presence. That's another thing that, that you really see with him calmly stepping up, moving just a little bit to his left or right to ultimately make a throw. Even saw one play where he, he got flushed from the pocket and uh, ultimately squares. He's rolling to his left, squares his shoulders to the receiver coming across, put it right on his receiver. You also love the ability to hold the safety to the left and then airs it out down the right sideline as well. Um, but, God, can we just talk about the deep ball again? I mean, the timing, the trajectory, it's just its so pretty to watch. Um, but, you know, his ability to make the throws on the run, um, the ability to also make plays with his legs, that's something that you absolutely see for him. But what you love is he just he makes plays because he's, he's throwing his receivers open. He's putting the football where only his receiver can make a play, and he's not being careless with the football. And look, he is a mature quarterback. He's 24 years of age, uh, you know, 6'4", 218 pounds. He'll be a 25-year-old rookie. We know, you know, Kenny Pickett is a 25-year-old rookie this year. Um, I don't think that'll deter teams from taking him. I mean, especially, look, if, if you're a team like, like, like Carolina that's going to be sitting there at the top end of that draft, if you're the Raiders, we're going to be at the top end of the draft right now. You have to ask yourself, is Derek Carr going to be my future? Carolina, we already know they're looking for a quarterback. Uh, but even some of the other teams, you know, hey, Texans, are you sold at the quarterback position with where you're at? If the answer is no, they could be looking for a quarterback. Hey, Lions, you know, there, there are teams that are up there that are going to be looking for that quarterback spot. And you can't tell me that that team, especially if they're a quarterback away from really starting to make noise in their division, Hendon Hooker is one of the more NFL-ready quarterbacks in this year's draft. There are going to be some other guys that need some of that development and some of that seasoning. I don't think you really need that with Hendon Hooker. So that's one of the things that I think is, is really special about him. Uh, now, Brian, uh, Byron Young on the opposite side of the football, number six. This dude, he's, he's a dude, man. Um, had five tackles in the game, two and a half tackles for loss there against LSU. Um, look, you know, he lined up... Poor, poor Miles Frazier, the right guard, lines up over him, stutter, starts to attack the inside shoulder, left hand to the chest, crosses the face and acts, attacks the outside shoulder, using those hands to rip it clear, speed downhill to the quarterback. Uh, then you see the excellent jump off the football to get the edge against the left tackle. Uh, Anthony Bradford, again, Bradford getting abused in SEC play, um, gets into that left shoulder of the left tackle and rips through, turns the corner in a hurry, um, to then flatten out and get to the quarterback for a sack. How about the right side? 
Emery Jones also getting beat up there. Bends under his pad level. Then that rip through, being able to get to the quarterback. You see the inside moves again, beating Anthony Bradford later on in the game, getting into the quarterback for a sack on fourth down, forcing a turnover on downs. Very explosive. One of those guys, look, he's 6'3", 235 pounds. Uh, only a junior, but I think sky's the limit for him. He's a guy that I can see absolutely coming into in, into his own and deciding to enter the draft. He's going to be a guy that's probably going to hear his name called in the first two days of the draft. Now, Keishan Bouti in this game, he, he actually saw the football thrown his way a lot more. I think they made a concerted effort to try to get him the football. Had six catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. But look, it's, it's one of those things to where it's just so hard to grade Keishan Bouti. We know what he's capable of. And is he this year's Derek Stingley? You know, really, should, should Keishon Bouti just call it an end to the season? He doesn't have a quarterback who can get him the football. You know, Jaden Daniels you know, has connections with Malik Neighbors, with Jeray Jenkins. He just can't get Keishon Bouti the football for whatever reason. So uh, it may be better for, for Keishon Bouti to just call it a year and ultimately just get ready for the draft. I know he's not going to abandon his team. He's not injured like Derek Stingley was. But it's one of those things to where you just wonder if he'd just be better off just calling an end to his season because as teams watch him play and watch the frustration build, you wonder about, okay, is he a good teammate? You know, Because Jaden Daniels is always having to talk him up. You see him on the sideline, all that conversation. You worry about that a little bit um, You know, in your receiver. Is he going to be a prima donna? Um, you know, what, what, what's that going to look like um, you know, for your, your franchise? Florida taking on Missouri, 24-17 winners. Um, you know, Missouri, they're a team that gets close and just can't put teams away. They, they had a chance there against Georgia, had a chance there against Auburn. I mean, Nathaniel Pete fumbles trying to extend the football for the end zone and ultimately recovered by Auburn, game over. Um, so they're, they're a little bit snake bit this year. Um, but when you look at Florida, you really, my eyes go to the defensive side of the football first. And I, there are a lot of guys that I just, I love to watch play on that side of the football for the Gators. And I think it really starts at that linebacker position with Brenton Cox Jr. and Ventrell Miller. I think you're probably going to hear me talk about them virtually every week that I get a chance to watch them play. And there's a big reason why. With Brenton Cox, he's the violence in his hands as a pass rusher. I mean, he just, he beats guys up. 6'4", 253, um, you know, he, he's really continuing to develop as a pass rusher. That's what I love about him. Nice push-pull on the right tackle to get him um, to ultimately get off the block. Rips through, gets to the edge in a hurry. You see the slap, arm over, beating uh, Javon Foster off the ball, gets up the field to make a play on the running back. Was playing both defensive end and linebacker, so he's got some of that versatility to his game as well. Ventrell Miller's the guy. Look, he's all the way back from that knee. You saw the ability to show that speed laterally to chase down Mookie Cooper, the receiver, the transfer from Ohio State, and drop him in the open field. Very active, a nose for the football. Had 11 tackles, two tackles for loss in that game. Brenton Cox, five tackles, a sack, three tackles for loss. A guy that can make plays both against the run and the pass. They're a lot of fun to watch. Guys that I think, look, if you're taking him in the third or fourth round, you will have a guy, have guys that could be challenging for, for starting spots. Now, with, with Gervon Dexter at that defensive tackle position, you've got a guy that could be a potential fringe first round, early second round pick. He's 6'6", 
312 pounds. This was a dude who was showing a burst on the interiors, ultimately forced holding calls, um, uses his length to his advantage, um, uses his hands as well, ultimately forced both the left guard and the center back into the backfield. Uh, and then as the pressure was getting to the quarterback, Brady Cook, he was trying to flee the pocket to Dexter's left, uses his hands to get off the block of, of the center, wraps up the quarterback, throws him back for a sack on third goal. Really a, a dynamic play there. And he's one of those guys, look, you know, we were talking about the defensive tackle. Um, the, the draft class a season ago wasn't that strong. Um, but when you look at that DT uh, position, Jalen Carter, Brian Brissi, Tuli Tui Pelotu, uh, you know, Gervin Dexter, Tyler Davis. There are a lot of guys up front, Siaki Ika, a lot of guys up front to be excited about in this year's draft. And, and you know, we're talking about Florida. I, you know, be remiss if I, I didn't speak about um, Anthony Richardson on the offensive side of the football. 6'4", 232 pounds. Um, 8 of 14 for 66 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Um, you know, again, Richardson, he's so streaky, man. Um, you know, would drive the ball to Justin Shorter, put it on him. Uh, allowing him to get up the field for a 20-yard gain. But, you know, he's looking to hit uh, Justin Shorter on a curl route. Doesn't see the entire field. Ennis Rakestraw sitting there in the zone. It was covered two. Rakestraw gets into the passing lane. Near pick on that play. But he was still able to, to make some additional plays. Um, had a 32-yard corner route. Justin Shorter to the sideline. Ultimately not able to maintain possession of the ball. But perfect touch and trajectory to hit the receiver out in front of him. And then the athleticism as a runner had five carries for 45 yards. You see the quick acceleration, the explosiveness, the long strides there. There's a ton of potential there, but man, is he still green. Needs another year there with, with Billy Napier to really get things going, get things dialed in before he's going to be ready, truly ready for the draft. I know I got excited after one game, but man, he, he, needs, he needs some more season. Osiris Torrance, the guard, 6'5", 332 pounds. This was a dude who was just continually driving his man back. Um, you know, shooting his hands in, um, you know, if they're slanting right, drives him up the field three yards, sustaining those blocks, keeping those feet moving. Feet never seem to stop moving, and once he got his hands on you, he wasn't letting go. And once he engages you, he's going to turn you and control you, whether he's sealing you off to the inside, um, you know, kick out block, whatever you need, that's what you're getting from uh, Osiris Torrance. To me, he's one of the top two or three guards in this year's draft. Talked about TCU previously, but look, TCU against Kansas and Max Duggan, you know, another 300-yard performance, but this was the game. This was Quentin Johnston, you know, the game that I was waiting for. You know, when I talk about receivers in the first, first round, you know, I was talking about Drake London especially, you want to have guys that teams have to scheme for. You know, and even though you know that's exactly where the football is going to go, you can't stop it. That was the Pac-12. Any, really, any team that was playing USC uh, a season ago, they knew that Drake London was going to get the football, and they still couldn't stop it. He was still just a man among boys. Quentin Johnson in this game was the same way against that Kansas secondary. 14 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Using that big body to his advantage, extends for the football. That's one of the things that you love, the long catch radius big dude um, look the, the catch how, you know how can you not talk about the catch uh, at the end of the game first and foremost runs a fade route to the back pylon with a minute 36 to play uh, you know through the, the contact with the jersey being tugged 
being grabbed by Kobe Bryant, was able to track the ball over his shoulder, gets a foot down the body control, hauls it in before going out, game-winning touchdown there. Had 12 catches all year going into that game. It was just so dominant. That was one of the things that was just so much fun to watch with this guy. Uh, you know, TCU, they were at the one-yard line. He runs a seven-yard slam from the slot, makes the catch at about 12 yards, slams on the brakes as the DB is coming down from the inside, spins away back to the outside, avoids that tackle, starts to accelerate away. The corner, Mello Dotson, grabs him at the 32-yard line around the waist, tried to punch it free at about the 43-yard line, kept trying to tackle him. Then there's Taiwan Berryhill, the linebacker, close and helped him tackle him at the KU 45-yard line. 53-yard game was just so difficult to bring down after the catch. Uh, and look, this is a dude that can do a ton of damage uh, with a huge soft cushion. It reminds me again a lot of Drake London. And I talked earlier in one of my earlier podcasts, you look at Quentin Johnson, you look at his numbers through his first two seasons at the Horn Frogs, actually a little bit better than Drake London before Drake exploded onto the scene for his junior season. Quentin Johnson, I'm hoping that you know, really, this is the game that kind of helps vault him into that superstardom conversation because Max Duggan, man, get him the football as much as possible. You've got other talented receivers on that team, and I understand the speed with Darius Davis. He's got legit speed, a return man, could potentially find his way onto an NFL roster because of that, but Quentin Johnson's your guy. He showcased why he should be a first-round pick when it's all said and done. Hey, Texas. Putting a whooping on Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. That showdown really wasn't much of a showdown. Uh, you know, 49 to nothing. But as, as much as you want to say that about the Sooners, that they did not have uh, Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback. And without Dylan Gabriel, your, your quarterback there, you know, ultimately they were putting Braden Willis, the tight end, in um, to ultimately run kind of a wildcat uh, situation. And I'll tell you what, Brayden Willis is just adding feathers to his cap. This is a guy that can make plays down the field, whether it's on the seam, whether it's on the outside. He can line up at H-back, he can line up at, at fullback, he can line up at, as an inline tight end, put him in the slot. Uh, now he's lining up at quarterback and, and had uh, you know seven carries in, in that game and was handing the ball off to running backs. To me, Brayden Willis, he, he's made himself some money, that's for sure, uh, really showing you know that he can be a leader there for, for the Sooners. Now, Texas, Bijan Robinson in this game, look, 22 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns, also had a couple of catches on the day. Um, really had had a nice play there where Quinn Ewers rolled to the left, throws a back shoulder throw, and he was able to turn around, adjust to the ball. That concentration and body control along the sideline was excellent. You see the vision as a runner, finds the lane, patient to follow the blockers to ultimately get there. Um, Two-yard touchdown, hits the hole, spins away from contact for the for the score there, so he can do it in short yardage situations as well. Um, There's a really awesome play where he squats down, really looked like he was doing a squat to, to avoid Ethan Downs to try to get outside, defensive back coming downhill, just able to trip him up for a loss, but that spin move was absolutely wicked. You see the lateral cuts in the hole to avoid two defenders. The difference with it is, is he's not really at full speed with some of those plays, that you see out of Jameer Gibbs. But look, I love Bijan Robinson. He's a guy who's explosive. I've seen people try to compare him to Barry Sanders. He's not Barry Sanders, come on. But you know, he is six foot, 215, 220 pounds. He's physical. Um, you love the vision. You love the, the lateral agility. Um, you love his receiving ability as well. You love the hands. 
and uh, I think he's a complete running back. Are we going to hear Bijan Robinson's name in the first 20 picks? Probably not. But you know, you put him in that 20, 20 to 27 range, and I think that's probably you know the right value for Bijan Robinson. And uh, I think he'll make your team better uh, when it's all said and done. That's for sure. Um, Utah, UCLA, again, UCLA showcasing why uh, right now they're the only undefeated team in the Pac-12, and they put a hurting on, UC, uh, on Utah. Um, Zach Charbonnet was, was the difference there, 22 carries, 198 yards, and a touchdown. I'm Look, I'm, I went to USC. I'm not a, a Bruin fan by any means, but I am a fan of Zach Charbonnet. Um, you see the burst through the hole, shoulders down in that hole, then makes a man miss bounces it to the outside, breaks that arm tackle, shows tremendous speed to the outside. Um, end of the run, that's one of the things you love. He continues to look for contact. You know, he'll cut back to the inside and will look to run over a defender to finish out those runs. Has the speed to get outside as well. He'll follow those blockers, very patient as a runner. Um, look, Charbonnet, a lot of fun to watch. I, I just want to see him catch the football a little bit more out of the backfield. That's really one of the big things that I'm really waiting for from him. Um, you know, Jake Bobo, we talked about him earlier, had a couple of touchdowns on the day there against Utah as well. Utah, um, Dalton Kincaid will be the story against USC. Um, don't want to spoil that too much, but look, this is a, a tight end. Uh, this is going to be a fun tight end class when you've got guys like Dalton Kincaid sitting right there uh, and, uh, and Luke Musgrave, obviously Michael Mayer. Dalton Kincaid absolutely made some money uh, for himself after uh, the, the ability to just make plays uh, against USC the entire game. Over 200 yards receiving. We'll talk again about that in next podcast. We'll break that down a little bit more. But look, against UCLA, catches a short pass to the wide side, follows his blocker, but then shows good speed. Uh, ultimately a 22-yard game that was called back due to a penalty. Good speed for that tight end position, though. Um, excellent route running ability. I think that's something that jumps off the screen. Crossing routes, you know, sliding down, ball thrown a bit behind, but excellent hands catch anyway. Uh, up the seam, made an in cut, able to extend for the football over his head to haul in. So you see that that catch radius is absolutely there. Um, you know, Dalton Kincaid, 6'4", 242 pounds. We'll be talking about him again. He made himself some money there against USC. Could we potentially see a tight end draft in the first round? Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave? Uh, it's possible. And then obviously we have to talk about Clark Phillips. 5'10", 185 pounds. This is a guy, he's just such a savvy, savvy corner. Um, you know, a guy who just understands route, route concepts, jumping routes, you know, ultimately had a, a pick six turned a pass for 80 yards. You know, look, he did get beat by Jake Bobo. We talked about his route running ability. Usually they had the ball at the 10-yard line. And he's in off coverage at about 7 yards. Jake Bobo in the slot at about 5 yards. A hard sell to the outside. That jab step forced Phillips to set, step to the outside. And ultimately, that's what Bobo knew he had him. Planted, crossed the space, gets to the inside, slant for the touchdown. So, you know, Clark Phillips, you know, he, he's a guy that will gamble at times and has gotten burned because of it. But, dude, guy is an absolute player, absolute beast. Um, and he's one of those guys that needs to be in that conversation. You talk about, you know, Kelly Ringo. You talk about Joey Porter Jr. You got to talk about, and Cam Smith. You got to talk about Clark Phillips, that's for sure.
Georgia put a whooping on Auburn, 42 to 10. Um, you know, you look at Kenny McIntosh, eight carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Have four receptions as well. Again, one of the better receiving running backs in the country, let alone the SEC. But look, I, I got to talk about my man Broderick Jones, 6'4", 310 pounds. Man on the outside, he was a he was a lead blocker for Kendall Milton. Showed off the athleticism there. Blocks down on the defensive tackle, then gets back out to the edge rusher. Very smooth with that kick slide. Sits down. You love the short, choppy steps and pass protection. You know that. that very uh, technically sound as a blocker out there. Takes on Derek Hall coming off the edge. We talked about him earlier. Hands to the chest. Able to get his hands underneath the pad level and drive him away from Stetson Bennett to the inside. Slides really well with Marcus Bragg. Another defensive end. Very light on his feet. Move that defensive end uh, after two steps. Opens up. But those hands immediately were on that defensive end to neutralize him. Very easy mover. Hands are under there, can be very physical. Um, you're also there at that that run uh, in the running game. Will look to try to stand you up and drive you back, get him off balance, and then the feet keep working. Broderick Jones, to me, you know, he and Peter Skaronski are the top two tackles in this draft. Paris Johnson not too far behind, and then Jalen Duncan. I think Broderick Jones has a good chance to end up being a top 10 pick in this year's draft. Oklahoma State took on Texas Tech. 41-31 finish. Uh, Spencer Sanders, again, had a, had a decent day. Had three touchdown passes, 297 yards. Uh, is he a guy that's going to be a draftable prospect at the next level? Likely not. Um, you know, the, the development, though, is one of those things that you get excited about. Could he potentially be a guy that you can put onto your practice squad, eventually make, make it onto a roster? Maybe. Uh, just because you love the improvement that you've seen from junior to senior year. It was a guy that we weren't really talking about as a guy that could lead Oklahoma State to a Big 12 championship. But I think this was a game that showed that Sanders, you know, has some of that moxie. Look, he accounted for five of the you know the touchdowns there for uh, the, the Pokes. 17 carries, 56 yards, and two touchdowns as well on the ground. Um, an interesting guy. You know, Bryce uh, Bryson Green had five catches for 115 yards and a score in this game. Um, and Bryson Green. Is look, always a receiver or two that come out of Oklahoma State that we're talking about come draft time. Um, everyone wants to talk about uh, Brennan Presley, but it's been Bryson Green and, and Braden Johnson. Braden Johnson didn't, didn't catch a pass in this game, so it was about Bryson Green, number nine, six one, two oh five, only a sophomore, um, but a dude that he can track the ball well over his shoulder. Does a really good job high pointing the football, climbing the ladder, going up and getting it. Um, but a guy that can be a deep threat, uses his size to his advantage. He's the guy that we can be talking about in next year's draft. Texas Tech, how about my guy Tyree Wilson? Have four tackles, a sack, and a quarterback hurry in this game. And when you look at, at Tyree Wilson, what he brings to the table is just that relentlessness again. You know, he, the left tackle initially beat him to the edge, uses those hands to ultimately keep that, uh, that off tackle off of his body. Spencer Sanders then rolls out to his right, able to get off that block, chase the quarterback down all the way to the sideline. Ultimately, it was a two-yard run, but what you loved was his ability to continue to go after that quarterback. You see the hands getting underneath the pad level, stack, shed, drop the running back in the backfield. To me, Ty Tyree Wilson absolutely looks the part at 6'6", 275, but his play on the field is back, you know, backed it up. Fringe, first round, second round, but I mean, 
eye test tells you that he's a first-round pick. Ohio State, Michigan State, look, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr., look, seven catches, 131 yards and three touchdowns. Emeka Egbuka, five receptions, 143 yards and a score. Two guys that have first round written all over them. We've already seen Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave come off the board. Next year we'll be seeing both Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, come off the board in round one as well. You know, and that begs the question, you watch C.J. Stroud throw the football, I mean, he's throwing to these receivers, these dynamic receivers, and are we being lulled into a, in a false sense of security here with, with C.J. Stroud? He's making these throws to wide open receivers. So the guys are running wide open. And, you know, the dynamic playmakers, this, he doesn't even have Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he's still threw 21 to 26 for 361 yards and uh, six touchdowns, just one interception. Uh, you know, but it's, it's these receivers that, that do a lot of the work for him, a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, between Smith and Jigba and, and Olave and, uh, and Garrett Wilson, now Harrison and Ibuka. Uh, and look, Julian Fleming's had, a, had himself a decent year. And then Cade Stover, the tight end as well. Um, he's throwing to wide open receivers. And so you'd hope that he'd be able to make, make that, that throw. Um, but can he make the throw into contesting coverage? That's really the big question mark. You know, he can put the ball on his receiver. Um, you know, he'll throw some of those back shoulder throws as well. Uh, you know, and that's, that's nice. Um, you know, there was a play where you know, there was pressure in his face. He throws off his back foot. Um, it's a little behind Marvin Harrison, ultimately adjusts to the back th shoulder throw, using that length to extend for the ball for a 19-yard touchdown, kind of you know, jumps up and kind of catches that ball right around his knees. Um, I, I think ultimately you had that, that back shoulder. Uh, and you can say, well, it was put in the right position, but, you know, it, it was under throw. Um, but when you watch him, he just doesn't drive his throws. Uh, when the pressure comes, especially, he's going to rush it. He'll throw wide of his receivers. Um, you're going to see him, you know, on a throw that you're expecting him to drive and really hit his receiver because he's wide open. It doesn't really matter. But really, what you want to see is C.J. Stroud take on a defense with a decent secondary. Uh, you know, and, and Michigan State, you know, they, they just they were outmanned in this game, uh, especially with these receivers. But C.J. Stroud, a team ultimately with a good secondary, but also a team that can put pressure on C.J. Stroud and really see what he can do, um, you know, without a clean pocket. Paris Johnson, uh, Matthew Jones, Dewan Jones will all hear their name called um, at, at the next level, along with Luke Whipler, the center as well. Um, I don't know. C.J. Stroud is doing everything right. He's making all of the throws. He's making great decisions. Um, he's hitting his receivers where, where he needs to. He's throwing them open. You see the anticipation. You see the ball placement. Those are things that are absolutely there. He sees the entire field for the most part. I think there are some throws that he'd like to have back. But when you talk about him physically, that's really the biggest concern. There are quarterbacks with better traits than him. But as an intelligent quarterback... You know, he, he's got it you know, between the ears. That's really one of the bigger things that you see. Is he a, a better athlete than Justin Fields? Absolutely not. You, know, you can argue, though, that he's playing with you know, a, a much better team and weapons around him. And so that's really the biggest thing that, that I, I worry about is, is, okay, is this team really blinding us from really seeing a lot of his flaws? 
And I, I think about Matt Leiner when he was at USC, who ultimately getting drafted number 10 overall to the Arizona Cardinals. He had so much talent around him. That offensive line, the dynamic duo with the running back, Thunder and Lightning, Reggie Bush and Lindell White. He had the receiving core, the tight ends. You know, he had a really strong defense as well. Um, but when it came down to it, when you watch Matt, and look, Matt Leiner, he was a tremendous athlete. You know, I, I used to see him play basketball growing up, and he was throwing 360 dunks down uh, in high school. And here you've got this quarterback that's out there. A lot of people were talking, ah, he's just an average athlete. Nah, this dude was a tremendous athlete. I mean, it's the same thing you talk about with Sam Bradford. Tremendous athlete. You know, ultimately the injury bug hit him. But when you look at Matt Leinart, um, obviously he had some of the off-field issues as well. When you watch him throw, I'll never forget it. I show up at USC, and I think it's his freshman year, and he and Billy Hart, the, the backup quarterback there, were throwing the football, and I was like, wow, look at that guy. Just, I mean, you know, Liner's got a, a hell of an arm. Not realizing that I was watching number 13, Billy Hart, instead of Matt Liner, number 11. You watch Matt Liner and, and his throw, and I'm like, man, that, that arm, you know, it, the, it was more of a looper. You know, he didn't have that arm strength that you were expecting to see from him. And look, he just he made a lot of really good decisions. He was throwing his receivers open, putting the football where it needed to be, but the arm strength was just okay. It wasn't, uh, he didn't have that tremendous arm. And that's what I worry about with C.J. Stroud when it's all said and done is, is, is that arm strength going to be able to hold up uh, you know, at the next level? I think you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's doing everything right at Ohio State. But are we blinded by this good team? You know, are we not thinking about you know, what he can do physically? And that's really the biggest concern that I have with C.J. Stroud at, at this point. Staying in the Big Ten real quick. Dude, Illinois, they are for real. Um, look, it was a 9-6 to six yawner against Iowa. But Chase Brown is for real. 31 carries, 146 yards. Physical runner. This is a guy, look, you know, Brett Bielema just turns out guys on the offensive defensive line. But he also has running backs. And Chase Brown, he's physical. He doesn't have the speed to really take the top off of the defense. But he's a running back that can get, get those bunch and those chunk yards. He, he runs with a low pad level, excellent contact balance, uh, great awareness out on the field as well, uh, not only following his blockers, but the vision to see the cutback lanes, very patient runner. Um, and look, he had four catches on the day as well, showed off some decent hands. Um, Illinois, look, you know, that game, it's it, a bunch of field goals at the end of the day. You know, you're just talking about nine, nine to six, not a whole lot that you can get excited about on the offensive side. But look, Tariq Barnes, a linebacker, five tackles, a sack, and a tackle and a half for loss. Um, what I really like about Tariq Barnes, 6'1", 230 pounds, only a junior, but uh, man, he timed his, his snap, the snap count so well. Snuck up to the line, shot through the A-gap as a left guard and center, returning to block. Ran right by the running back, LaShawn Williams, and got the quarterback, Spencer Petrus, almost immediately for the six-yard loss. That was just, that was a spectacular play. Same game, um, you know, Jack Campbell on the opposite side, 13 tackles again, ho-hum, uh, a dude that just, again, he flies around to the football, has a nose for the ball. You want to know where the football is going to be, just follow 31, and he'll take you right to the football every single freaking time. It's crazy. Um, Riley Moss showed off some physicality there at the at that cornerback that, uh, position as well. Um, what was really crazy, you know, 
you know, up in press coverage versus Isaiah Williams, backs off to five yards, then a screen is thrown to Williams, runs downhill past Casey Washington, the receiver trying to block uh, his man, ultimately delivers this huge hit on Williams just after the catch. Ball pops free, and Seth Benson was able to, to get up the field for the recovery. Riley Moss has the cover skills. You see that absolutely on display. 6'1", 194. He's got some physicality to him as, as well. I think people are, are kind of sleeping on him. He's a lot better than people I think are giving him credit for right now, and I think he's going to be able to be, you know, continue to prove people wrong um, there at that position. Uh, with DJ, Clemson, Boston College, 31-3. DJ, look, you know, 220 yards uh, passing in that game, three touchdowns and an interception. We've talked about him. Uh, Miles Murphy wreaking havoc on the defensive side of the ball for them as well. Uh, Boston College, look, Zay Flowers it is legit. You know, that's one of the things that I will say. Zay Flowers, is he going to be a guy that's going to end up being drafted in, in the first round? You know, he he, he probably won't. He's 5'11", 177 pounds. But what you love, you know, this is the play. Ultimately, he didn't even get the ball. But uh, he sinks his hips and then just comes so back so quickly to the football in this comeback. It was absolutely ridiculous uh, just how quickly uh, he's, he changes the direction. Just so sudden and so explosive. Um uh, He's a guy, he'll end up being an early day two pick, and teams will be very happy to get him on their roster. Eight catches for 75 yards in a losing effort there for BC. Bama, they luck out against AM. We know that, that Bryce Young was not there uh, playing. Uh, Jalen Milrow was, was the quarterback there, but uh, again, Jameer Gibbs was the guy. 21 carries for 154 yards. And, uh, again, the explosiveness, we've talked about it before. Uh, can we talk about Will Anderson's play, too? Eight quarterback hits. He just seemed to be in the backfield every single play, just about. And just the relentlessness, his ability to bend, using his hands, coming off, off the edge, you know, rushing the quarterback inside, outside. It didn't matter. He would always seem to be chasing the quarterback down. And you just you love that relentlessness to his game. And he proved in this game how effective he can be without just racking up the stats. He just looked at the stats and said, hey, two tackles, tackle for loss. No, he was in the backfield pressuring Haynes King on so many plays. Um, you know, and he just hit him eight times. It seemed like he was in the backfield. I think he had like 10 pressures or something like it was something ridiculous like that. And um, you know, that's that's a way for him to definitely affect the game. Um, he's going to be flushing the quarterback from the pocket time and time again. Had he been in last year's draft, he still would have been the first overall pick. Um, this year, obviously, with teams looking for a quarterback, Anderson's probably not going to be a top top uh, one or two pick. But um, he's a guy that whoever's going to get him is going to get an explosive edge rusher and a talent that we haven't seen uh, really hit the stage in, in the last few years. Devin A. Shane. You know, didn't have a huge day, 16 carries for 62 yards, but I think he showed off some of his toughness, some of his physicality, something that I didn't really expect to see out of him. But, you know, he was fighting for extra yards, running through tackles, uh, being physical at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, really patient as well, was follow blockers, get skinny through the hole, made a jump cut to avoid Terrion Arnold, and gets down the field for 15 yards, that lateral agility to go along with that home run speed. is pretty ridiculous. And I know that his hands are, are better than, than what we saw out of him. He had, did have four catches. and have one where ball was thrown right out in front of him, goes right off of his hands. 
Mike needs to clean that up just a little bit. But Devin A. Shane's one of those guys I think is going to be a top five or six back when it's all said and done in this year's draft. And I think this Bama AM game, Bama ekes out the win. Last second play ultimately goes for not. Haynes King only able to make that completion there in the end zone from the two-yard line. And Bama avoids the upset to fight another day. But again, we're going to be talking about the third weekend in October. That's right, October 15th. We'll be talking about that in my next podcast here in uh, a few days. I just got to get through the last of week number seven. Want to really take a look at some of the game film, break it down a little bit further uh, with Alabama and Tennessee, uh, obviously USC and Utah as well. Want to get into into that game. We've got Penn State, Michigan that I'm going to be taking a look at. But look, I'm not just going to stop there. We've got Illinois and Minnesota. Want to take a look at both Chase Brown and Mohamed Ibrahim. TCU going into overtime to beat Oklahoma State want to be able to keep, take a look at that, see what uh, what TCU was able to pull out there. Hey, Stanford, Stanford beat Notre Dame. I want to take a look at that. I want to see what was going on there, why Stanford was able to take down the, the Fighting Irish, what's going on with, with Marcus Freeman there. And I even have my eye, again, on UTSA, Zachary Franklin, DeCorian Clark. Anytime I get a chance to watch those guys play, I'm going to absolutely tune in. And then SMU Navy, Rasheed Rice, this is going to be a, a much better receiving class than I was originally expecting because these are all these are all guys who can play. I think Rasheed Rice is going to be a day two guy. Both the guys from UTSA will get drafted, likely on day number three. But look, again, as I've been saying, they can absolutely ball out. Also want to talk about Eric Gray and his performance against Kansas. Really kind of has redeemed himself and shows why he's the guy that we need to be talking about in the draft come draft time. Um, you know, Old Dominion upsetting Coastal Carolina, another unbeaten going down. There are going to be a lot of games that I want to talk about and a lot of outstanding play. I got to get through all that game film. I've got a lot of games to cover, and I'll make sure that I get through that within the next few days. Get another podcast out and make sure that we're current, that we're up to speed and ready to go as we get into the tail end of October, get into November. Then we're going to be talking about conference championships before you know it. We get into the college football playoff bowl season. Man, it's an exciting time of year. The weather is getting colder. As a SoCal kid, I don't like the cold. But what the cold weather usually means, college football is getting into the best time of year. And uh, there's a lot of game, a lot of football left to watch. A lot of guys that you're really just waiting to see who's going to emerge as your top prospects. And we will be covering every step of that along the way here at Ready for the Draft, both on the podcast and at readyforthedraft.com, where I'm going to continue to update my rankings. I typically don't release a lot of content in terms of any of my mock drafts until after the season. I really don't like to speculate in terms of, well, who's going to be, where's that draft pick, and what's that look like. Once a draft order is set, I'll go ahead and put together my mock draft, but I'll still have my rankings. Want to get those updated frequently. And I know last time I announced we were going to have a new segment. It was going to be really that draft stock and really what was that stock watch, stock up, stock down. We'll start talking about that. Maybe I'll even get that posted 
online on the website as well when it's all said and done. Have some fun with that segment. So I think at this point we can put a bow on this podcast. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. And until next time, I am out of here.